welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. And we're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is Father Sean. Father John, good to be with you. Great to be with you. Gearing, uh, gearing up for the uh, Christmas break. This recording will come out, I think, uh, at some point during the uh, Christmas season here. But That's last right. few days of so Merry Christmas finals and penance services, and uh, we're in it. That's right. Yeah, you're gearing up for Christmas break. I'm gearing up for Christmas liturgy. That is true. So. Yeah, you're you're gearing up in a, a different way. I'm gearing down here, but hopefully in a few days. And uh, I'm uh, yeah a little dragon tonight, uh, as I mentioned to Father Sean, uh, but that's my own fault. Um, he's dragon because uh, he had a hard workout today. That's right. Because Father Sean has a solid eleven, yeah, we've, 11 and a half years. We of haven't told anyone on the podcast about this training yet, have we? The bed of the century. <laughs> I'm calling it the bed of the century. I have never. It's a good bet, though. I've never endeavored into this, and, and the uh, odds are in my favor. The odds are in your favor. We'll see about that. So the story behind the bed of the century between Father Sean and I, and, and as you know, if you've been listening to this for a while, Father Sean is my fiercest and uh, most hated competitor on the bike because he's an absolutely stellar athlete, and um, he, I like to think that I'm still young. So anyways, we found ourselves in upstate New York. For the pilgrimage. For the pilgrimage, and we were uh, enjoying some libations at uh, Beacon Skiff, which is a huge orchard that has great ciders and uh, spirits and the whole bit, and... Uh, well, the conversation, of course, turned to uh, me being an old man uh, here at the end of my 30s and right. approaching 40. And I, in a moment of uh, real confidence, said, oh, yeah, old, huh? Well, I happen to have all of the companions' records uh, up. There's a number of mountains that we bike up, uh, and we race, and we, we time them, and we've been... Uh, competing and it's been a blast uh, for the last few years. He kept us sane through COVID, uh, except for Father Jason Wunsch, who pretends like he doesn't care, but we all know. He, that guy's so competitive. He secretly is very competitive. But Father Sean and I, we're both hockey players, so we just own it. We're competitive. We love competition. keeps us going. So I said, all right, Shani, uh, the young pup, I said, if I'm getting old, um, let's see if you can beat my times. Up all eight of them. Up all eight of them, this is the eight kind of uh, front-range uh, climbs, so like these uh, these mountains that uh, have great roads and you can bike up. So I said, all right, you can take all eight of them by the time you're 40. All right, let's take the bet. We <laughs> modified it a little bit. You talked me down to seven of eight. Seven of the eight. Because you were nervous about squat pass. That one, I don't know if I can beat that one. That one's going to be really hard to beat. I was in a very angry mode uh, when I rode that. It was a lot of rage against the machine in the headphones. and uh, <laughs> But I think if the winds are right, I might have a chance. But if the winds are right, folks. There it is. But here's the problem with squad, that winds circle on that one. They do. We've been, we actually we have this app called Windy. We follow the winds. Like That's how insane we are. Um, so the bet goes like this. Father Sean, who is 28 years old, who loves to remind me that uh, I will turn 40 between before he turns 30, has until his f- his 40th birthday to beat seven of the eight uh, records that I have. I have the ability to improve them, yep. but he's not worried about that because I'm on the decline in life <laughs> apparently now. Um, and the stakes are high. Stakes are very high. They so are. If I win the seven of the eight before I turn 40... Father John will pay for us, or pay for, well, I guess us, yeah. 
to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. That's right. And uh, if I win, if Sean is unable to beat seven of the eight of my times by the time of his 40th birthday, he will buy me a beer every time we're together for the rest of our lives. Which means we will never hang out again. Yeah, exactly. So he's going to stop returning my phone calls. And uh, I didn't really think about that one, but uh, <laughs> certainly he appreciates my real. You my think friendship. he'll still be drinking beer by then? Absolutely. All right. Yeah, absolutely. So you're not going to switch to wine like some of those other companions do? No, no. <laughs> wine is fine, you know, but come on, you know. Beer's where it's at. So uh, this is the bed of the century, folks. So stay tuned. Uh, we have 11 years of uh, banter, and uh, we'll be keeping you updated. But Father Sean, is he's already getting after it in the gym. That's right. And uh, he's hes working hard. He's planning on doing a century ride every month for the next year. Which oh, is now I have to do that if you announce that. Well, you were the one you're talking about it on well, Monday. Well, Father Mike and I, yeah, we were talking about it, but Father Mike likes to run his mouth, and then I have no self-control, so I also run my mouth. I think that you're crazy. For anytime Father Mike does anything, you know, he's a he's a... We love these. We're all kind of adventure guys. We love these kind of crazy ideas. And Father Mike, it, like you and I, I love pushing it to the max. So, that's but that's true. insane. Yeah, doing a January century ride. You guys are nuts. I'll see you in see you in April. You can follow us on Strava. There you go. I'll follow you on Strava. So good luck with that. Uh, thanks. And good luck. Best of luck in the next 11, 11 and a half years. All right. I look forward to climbing Kilimanjaro with you. A long time. I will be 50 by the time this bet's over, which is just totally insane. That so, is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who knows where we'll be in 10 years, 11 years. We will see. <laughs> we will see. But for today, we have a topic, and it looks like it involves the Companions of Christ. Yeah. You want me to dive in? That wasn't long enough banter. I was just making sure our thing's recording here. Okay. Looks like it. You know, Sean, I'm getting old, and uh, you know the banter's getting thin. So let's just dive into it tonight. Great, because I have yet to work out, and I also have to keep my uh, fitness alive. If I'm that's gonna right, the keep... dad bod is coming on strong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the inevitable slide. The inevitable slide against the dad bod. Does your brother listen to this? Um, maybe some of his friends do, though. Okay. So yeah, hey, you're well, talking about speaking of dad bods. Speaking of dad bods, so <laughs> Steve, I'm sorry to say this, but when I got your Christmas card, I was like. Golly, he's looking a little chubby over there. Yeah, he is. So he moved to upstate New York, and he's not as vain as we are in Colorado. I've never seen someone just totally embrace the dad bod <laughs> life like my brother. Uh, I got a um, Christmas card from his family today, and it was it was so Steve can Steve's getting a little you know a little pudge, but he's also really strong. He's he just strong. got that rugby strength. You know, he's built like a barger. He's just like a, a tank. Yeah, brick you know, house. Um, and, uh, there's this running joke, uh, that he's indoctrinated his daughters to say that dad has the biggest muscles of all of the, all of the uncles in the Neville right. family and that I have medium muscles medium and that Jordan muscles. Lynch has uh, little muscles. So my Christmas card was sent to me, father, John quote, medium muscles, Nepple, St. John Vianney Theological Seminary, the whole bit. And I was like, oh, man, this is just... Wait, he did that on the card? On the card, Guess yeah. what he did for us? Because he only sent one to me and Larkin. Uh-huh. It was a, it was addressed, Bishop Brian Larkin, Monsignor Sean Conroy. I'm like, what is this world coming He's to? He's got too much free time. First hands. of all, I should not be a Monsignor, and Father Brian should definitely, definitely not, be, not a be a bishop. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Well, we had, a, speaking of uh, Larkin and rap, we had a... Um, sad occasion um, to be together on Monday, but a but a good one nonetheless. Um, our friend, uh, our friends Mary and Michelle Zapapas, uh, 
two of the four daughters of the Zapapas family. Their mother passed away, Jan Zapapas, who's a wonderful woman, um, and we were grateful to know her. And a huge funeral uh, um, for her. She passed from uh, lung cancer and very just, sudden, very quick, very quick. But just a, a woman who is who was, you know spiritually at that depth and really prepared for death and you know has entered into eternity and did so in a really beautiful way her daughters are faithful the the church was packed with just a wonderful community from saint francis or um saint thomas more and so we were able to be there and pray with her and her family um and it was also the 15th anniversary of the companions which was on monday and uh, so we went out for a nice lunch together and these guys drank Ernie Palmer's while I drank. Well, Father Mike won't order an Arnold Palmer. <laughs> That's true. Which is so dumb. Um, he says, half lemonade, I'd like half, half iced tea, half please. Lemonade, say and I was drinking the waitress is like, spritz. You mean an Arnold Palmer? And he's just like, why does it have to be named after him? <laughs> I know. I know. Father Mike is so contrary. I think he needs he needs his own drink. You know, he needs a drink named after him, and then he'll be he'll the be Mike Rap. The Mike Rap, exactly. So it was a, it was a overall it was a really beautiful day, and uh, hard to believe fifteen years. 15 years for man, me, I think oh man. it's been five now so five years which is great it's been a great gift i love love the companions maybe this is a good time to dive in um companions of christ right and and specifically so broadly i want to talk about companions today specifically i want to talk about doing ministry together especially as priests as companions this is something that i've thought a lot about i think one of the th- challenges for me since being ordained a priest and I think most people, most priests could probably relate to this is we kind of get stuck in our own worlds. You know, I'm at Lords, you're at the seminary, this priest is over here and we have very little interaction. But one of the, the things, maybe pillars we could say to the common life is actually being on mission together. So I was praying with this recently that our rule of life is all pointed towards pastoral fruitfulness. We want to be fruitful. And we do that through living the councils, but also having a common life. We need a common life in and living the councils in order to be pastorally fruitful. So being a companion isn't just like, I'm just going to go be with my buddies more often. You know, it's going to be, I need to go, uh, I, I do these things so I can be refreshed so that I can go and be more pastorally fruitful. Uh, but still, how do we do it together? And so I was reflecting on this specifically because Father John and I recently just did a, a parish mission at our home parish, St. Francis Cabrini, uh, which was really good. It was great to be with you. It was good to be together. It was good to do mission together, especially since I'm at a different parish. You're at the seminary. When do we ever kind of overlap and do ministry together? Except the Colorado Trail, which right. was super awesome. Yeah, it was. That was the best. Um, yeah, do you want to speak about the parish mission a little bit? Yeah, so uh, our good friend Tyler Tracy uh, at St. Francis Cabrini uh, reached out a couple months ago and um, was just like, hey, wanted to offer this opportunity. And I was like, man, that would be a great thing for the companions to do together. Um, St. Francis Cabrini uh, is a uh, is our home parish. Father Sean and I are sons of the parish, so is Father Brian, and uh, invited I invited Father Sean and Father Brian to do it together. Uh, Father Brian is totally lame. If you have listened to this podcast, you know <laughs> that. Right. So he was uh, he bailed. Uh, but Shani and I did it uh, two nights, and I think we'll probably put the YouTube um, post out there. It was really, really good. Um, you know, just being there and praying together and just just listening to you lead the meditations. Um, I, gave, I would give kind of a talk, and then we had adoration, and Sean gave... Uh, kind of a Lexio style meditation each night. And it was just like really beautiful. But 
it was. A, and then we went out and spent uh, some very late nights with the Dean family and Melissa McCoy and uh, and the Kishniks, uh, which is part of the reason I'm dragging through the week here. <laughs> yeah, there's two long nights. Oh, late man. Nights. Uh, and uh, but it was just like, yeah, it's it's such a joy to be together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cabrini is uh, is one of these parishes in the suburbs that uh, has really done tremendous work over the years. But I think like a lot of them, COVID, other factors, um, the pews are not as full as they used to be. And I think that one of the reasons we wanted to go down and support them was just to say. You know, we don't need to show up with things just because they're a big deal. Sometimes you just you pour back into the places that you love. Um, and there wasn't a lot of people at our mission. Um, and it was a bit discouraging at first, but so beautiful. Um, and the graces and just a lot of, like, I think, hidden graces in particular. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that was just being together. So it was a, it was, I would just echo that. It was a great joy. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, not a lot of people there, but also uh, the average age tends to be a little bit older, you know, for oh, yeah. things like that. Uh, and it's a busy time of the year. You know, families are kind of running around. I get it. Shopping for Christmas presents and whatnot. But but I think the, the fruit uh, hopefully will last and hopefully there'll be fruits from it. But above all, uh, being together, you know, being on mission together. Uh, in our rule, uh, there's this image that we use in, in uh, paragraph 8 that talks about um, the the companionship with Christ through a common life, but particularly that we're climbing a mountain together. So uh, we've we've recorded our mountain imagery before, right? But uh, the idea that the mountain is Christ and we're seeking to climb this mountain, uh, but I'm not alone. You know, you climb the mountain, you look around and there's other people. Sometimes it feels like I am alone, but we're really on mission together. And even though like someone might be on the other side of the mountain, you know, you're on Mount Everest, someone's climbing the South Pole, I'm climbing the North Pole or whatever. Uh, we're not wor- working together, but what about the people who we, who we are working together? At the end of the day, we're all striving to bring people to Christ. Uh, can we work together? Can we do a better job of working together? Um, so that's one image that comes to mind. Uh, and then the, the next one that I kind of want to move towards is when we talk about a common life, we talk about those three different things of, of vulnerability, mutual help, and friendship. Uh, I think part of friendship is actually spending time together, right? Mm. Uh, and we forget to spend time together sometimes because, again, when we're at different parishes, we spin in our own circles. We might be climbing that mountain. We might be ascending that peak, but we're doing it solo. We're doing a solo ascent. And to actually be able to step back, spend time together, and be on mission together, I think, is really, really profound. Uh, two thoughts on that. Did you see the movie Broad Peak on Netflix? I didn't know. Oh, you got to watch it. It's outstanding. It's the story of these Polish climbers in the 80s who were attempting to climb uh, Broad Peak. Where's that? Uh, it's in the Himalayas. It's one of the 8,000-meter um, peaks, okay. so the 14 peaks that are over um, 26,000 feet. And they were doing a first ascent in the winter of the peak, which is just insane. Um but there's a point in the story where the climbing team kind of fragments and then fragments again, and it's it's very dramatic. But it's just it's a sign of like what happens when guys are climbing, uh, but they're not working together. And um, yeah, really worth uh, worth watching for sure. Um, there's a little bit of a nudity scene in it, which I was watching with my seminarians, and they're all just like, oh, you know, it's like I'm sorry, you're with dad. This is so awkward. Right. Uh, so that kind of slips in. But um, you know, fast forward that. But other than that, it's it's a uh, great uh great film 
but it was a, it was a, a good reminder of uh, the Lone Ranger diocesan priest approach of climbing solo um, is uh, is deadly. It's a deadly endeavor, um, and it's extremely risky. So that's one thing. And then the other thing I wanted to say about Cabrini was, um, you know, the companions for me has been a great um, check against personality cult. Um, it's tempting to think you're just the man and you're in your little zone, you got your little parish, and everybody just thinks you're just the, the best. And it, when you step out of that, like I was kind of like Father Sean and Father John, this is like, this is, the, this is the dynamic duo, man. We just made the bet of the century. We we're just freaking rock stars. And then we show up at this right. parish and no one's there. Right. And it's like, and I, I actually, as you were leading the meditation, what I was praying through was just like, man, why is this affecting you so much? Oh, because you're prideful, you know, mm-hmm. and you think you're so awesome. But if I wasn't doing this with a brother with a deeper purpose, then I, I think I would have been like, it, it would have been this kind of self-condemnation thing, which always kind of is the dark side of self-reliance and doing things on our own. Um, we go to those places. So... It was just a great, it's a great check and a great counter of like, no, we're doing something deeper. And fruitfulness is not rooted in my personality cult and my own kind of influence and draw, mm-hmm. uh, which is a hard thing to remember, uh, but a really good, uh, good check. So just wanted to offer that. Yeah, no, that's great. And we always measure success in numbers, but God doesn't measure it in numbers, you know, and we forget about that. We're very American in our approach to holiness, right? We, we want to see results. And uh, we can't measure holiness, you know, it's always a gift. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. So climbing this mountain together, I think this has been a great kind of meditation for me throughout priesthood thus far, because once again, I can get stuck into my world. So you wrote that article a few years back, right? Parochial solipsism, um, solipsism, that view that my world is the only world that exists and everyone else kind of revolves around me. Uh, parochial meaning parish, that my parish is the most important. It's the only thing that exists. And that's been a temptation for me, you know, and, and just to, to think uh, my parish needs me. My parish needs me. Without me, my parish would not survive. And, and to become that kind of, uh, kind of priest that gets so sucked in to the point where he actually becomes codependent with his parish, mm-hmm. that he forgets uh, they actually don't need you. <laughs> they need Christ. And the more that we point Christ to to people, the more that people actually flourish, uh, as opposed to that personality cult. The parochial solipsism that we can fall into, I think, is so detrimental, not only to the parish, because then when they get a new priest, it's it's never the same. It's it's man, we wish this guy was like Father So and So. We wish him. We wish he uh, could be as good as a preacher, or good or as talented, or whatever it is as opposed to actually if you were in falling in love with Christ, it wouldn't matter what priest you have. Yes, priests have personalities. There's always a certain bridge that priests bring, hopefully. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's about Christ. And it shouldn't be about this priest is my favorite, this parish is my favorite. Where can I find Christ? How am I finding him? And how is Christ speaking to my life right now? That is... um, um yeah, this is such an important thing to talk about. And, and for people that might not, there's so many different factors in this. You know, I've been writing and thinking about this for a long time, and um, I still fall victim to it. Uh, but it, uh, it's, it's, there's several things at work. You know, there's a growing sense of self-importance that gets connected to us when we step into an office, especially as a pastor or as a vice rector of these things. Um, there is um, 
activism, which is the, which plagues the priesthood. Activism, I, I call it like deontologized work. Ontology is, is being. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. separated from my priestly bearing and being, um, and I'm just doing, doing, doing. And then there's this kind of latent consumerism that that affects uh, and works on the other side, which is that people are like. We go to this parish because we can go anywhere we want. But we go to this parish because the liturgy's better, because the music's better, because the preaching's better. We're friends with this guy, and then the, then there's movement. The priests leaves, his staff leave, and then the parish is just kind of dilapidate. And um, that we've got to just we've got to really kind of go deeper here because we just we keep redistributing Catholics to different parishes based on personalities of priests. It puts it's burning out priests, and it's not creating communities. Um, and so I think the Companions Project is attempting to kind of respond to that in a way. Right. Yeah. So uh, where I want to move next is just like uh, maybe just to give an overview of, of the rule, which uh, I'm sure you've done on the podcast before. So just to move through this uh, a little bit, uh, there's four chapters to our rule in the Companions. The first one has to do with uh, the consecration as priests. The second one is the common life through which we live this consecration uh, the third chapter is our configuration to Jesus, specifically through the evangelical councils, poverty, chastity, and obedience. Uh, and that leads us to the fourth chapter, which is kind of what we're speaking about today, to go and bear fruit that will abide. The whole project of the companions is for that sake, that we may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. As priests, living a common life, uh, living the evangelical councils propels us to that. And so just to zoom in here a little bit, um, Father John, with chapter 27, or I'm sorry, paragraph 27, chapter 4, this is the beginning of chapter 4. Uh, so go and bear fruit that will abide. And then the paragraph, mission as the source of ecclesial communion. And there's, a, there's just a, a brief kind of sentence here, sentence that I'd like to read. Uh, so this, the companion, he enjoys laboring in the field together with others free from jealousy and pride, knowing that Christ is not divided, and he seeks to empower others in the mission, allowing others to enter into his labor and rejoice in their fruitfulness. Right, so he enjoys laboring in the field together with others. Um, So I think this doing mission or ministry together with others, especially other priests, allows us, I think that's the antidote, if you will, to parochial solipsism, hmm. uh, that I actually desire to be with a brother and doing mission together. Uh, parochial solipsism, one of the things that it can entail, uh, I'm going to invite you to come to my parish to do the things that will help my parish, but you should never invite me to your parish because I have no time for that. So you can come help me with my penance service, but don't ask me to go to your penance service because right, my parish is more important than yours. But I was, when I've been reflecting on this, I think doing mission together, right, is the antidote to the parochial solipsism that sometimes we live. I, I think that's a great insight. And um, I like the notion of an antidote because parochial solipsism is, um, yeah, something that it's on, the article's on homiletic and pastoral view on their website. Um, and it, I put it out there a couple of years ago. Um, I don't think... I wouldn't say that it had a lot of traction with the brothers. They weren't just like, wow, thank you for this amazing article. In fact, I don't think I've ever heard that uh, from anything I've written, which is good for my pride and my ego. But they are a reminder of like, um, yeah, we're not that impressed with you, um, which is good. That's family. That's brothers. 
But I also think that it challenged him a lot because I think that I see this in our in ourselves where we we have a rule of life that we live by that stresses this and yet still the older guys especially who have been out in the field for a long time uh, we still are getting siloed mm -hmm. and my hope with you younger generation who are now half of the companions because uh, we're like 20 guys and half of them are ordained less than three years um, you guys give me a lot of hope because you're you're th you're thinking about these things more deeply um, I was the general editor of the rule in 2014, um, and um, Father Brady Wagner brought a lot of the insights around fruitfulness. He's just got a great spiritual vision for how he understands the church and um, just a deep interiority. And I think that he was the one who really shifted our focus to say, you know, we really have to think about fruitfulness in particular. But as you as you said, the antidote to parochial solipsism is not doing more in my parish and becoming quote unquote more fruitful by myself. It's actually allowing the fruitfulness of this witness and this common life to come to bear more deeply. Mm. Um, there's something powerful about multiple priests doing a mission together. Mm. I, I just think that that was a lot of the, the resonance for people uh, in what we did. And for, and it was also super life giving for us. It like bore fruit in us, fruits right. of joy and um, just a great experience of, uh, of, sharing in that and so it, it's but the the pragmatism of the american church is that we don't have enough priests so get over yourself and don't do things together we need to sp spread you out as thin as possible because there's too much need right and there's not enough of you and right. it's like well that's not how fruitfulness works and it's not like exciting no one wants to be, to be told go to this parish by yourself never call anyone never do anything with other people just be by yourself there no one wants to be told that and, right. I, and, oh, sorry, and I work in a seminary with guys who have this, they desire that. You know, if, if we had a bunch of seminarians in here right now, they would say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what we want. Mm -hmm. Then how do you get to a point five years into your priesthood where you become totally siloed yep. and your world, you can't imagine anything beyond the bounds of your parish and you don't ever leave it, mm -hmm. you know, that simply. Yeah, and that's actually the question I kind of want to wrestle with next is, what like so if we desire to do ministry together if we want to be on mission together i also think we're more fruitful with mission together as you mentioned because it keeps our pride out of the way we're with the brother uh, it keeps us in check you know etc but if we actually want to do the, do that together how do we do that especially when you're in maybe a smaller diocese where you have um, you're very spread out uh, to the next parish and uh, maybe you have to drive 30 miles to get to the ne next priest or whatever, you know. So I don't know if you have any grave ideas, Father John, but um, I think this example of doing a mission together was a great example. However, like that was an invite. It's not like we approached them and said, hey, we're going to we would like to do this for you. Um, you know, maybe another example would just be the the marriage prep retreat that we've done as companions for a little mm -hmm. bit that was started, I don't know, a decade ago by Father John and some of these other guys where they were at different parishes. They had, I don't know, five couples each in marriage prep. And they said, let's go rent a big Airbnb up in the mountains and all go up together. Uh, we'll split talks. We'll take our, each of our five couples with us. We'll split the talks. We'll hang out. Uh, and you actually divide and, and um, you know, do mission together. And even though you're at different parishes, you can kind of combine resources like that, uh, which I think is a huge testament to like, we want to do this, we want to do it well, and we actually want to spend time together as priests. And then when couples, the, the marriage prep couples, 
when they see uh, right you making fun of me or me making fun of Larkin or, or whatever it is, when we do it together, they're like, wow, they, they love each other. We can love each other too. Yeah. They're living the Christian witness. They make fun of each other. Hopefully they're somewhat normal. Uh, and then we can do the same thing. Yeah. So I don't know if you have any other ideas for... No, I think it's a great question. I, there's, uh, there's a number of different levels and kind of aspects of it that come to mind. You know, first off, um, they love each other. Um, see how they love each other. This is the, this is the, the hallmark of the Christian according to um, the mission of Christ and what he calls us to. But if you don't see them together, then you, you don't have a concrete expression that they do love each other. And they might not be loving each other very well. I mean, there's certain guys in our brotherhood that I don't love well. Hmm. But when I'm together, there's still a sense of like they're together. And we were all together uh, two weeks ago for a, a companion's uh, morning of prayer. Um, and there's that sense of like we're still together. Father Brian Norton dropped in for Lord's Day, a Jesuit friend of ours. He was in diocesan seminary with us like 15 years ago, and he's just like, you guys are still doing it. Hmm. Every Saturday, you're just together. You're still you're still at it 15 years later, and he was just amazed by it. And um, So that's the first thing is like, there's no concrete witness of love if there's not a sense of togetherness. You know, a guy can tell you, I love my family, but if he's never with his family and you never see him, hmm. and there's something, there's a real sacramental intimate bond the unites priests. So that's one thing. Second thing is, um, whether we like it or not, the face and the 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 form of parish life is going to radically change in the next ten or twenty years. It's just demographically, we're going off the cliff. It's going to happen when the boomers die. The money's running out. Nobody's there. We cannot keep doing what we've been doing, uh, and we have to we have to prepare for that apostolic mode that the Archbishop here has called us to. And so I think that things have to change. And they will change. The question is, are we going to be proactive, get on the offensive, or are we just going to kind of keep doing what we've always done until we get so desperate that we just can't anymore? And that doesn't sound very appealing. Mm-hmm. And the last, last thing I would say is uh, looking for occasions to be together in mission is something we have to actively do. It would have been very easy for you and I to be like, we're just too busy. Mm-hmm. I'm too busy at the seminary. You're too busy at the parish. We One are. Days are day off. Monday's our day off, whatever that even means. Like, I hate (laughs) that phrase. Um, You know, we don't have days off. Uh, We have days of rest. We need to rest well together. Mm. It's not something we should be doing all the time, but but it it was so life-giving to be together. So we have to really be active about looking uh, for those occasions as priests. And uh, I hope that lay people like Tyler Tracy – they, they provide the opportunity for us. They invite us into that. We might not be able to say yes all the time, but when the occasion's right and when the brothers are able, it's like, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Last point, and then I'll shut up, I promise. <laughs> Pastor parochial relationships are complicated. You work together and then you live together. Mm-hmm. And we're still feeling this out. We're at, we're at the first phase now where we have companion pastors with uh, pro- companion parochial vicars. And this is a new endeavor. So there's three guys... Uh, who have presently have that situation. So about a third of the association. And uh, I'll just reflect on my own experience. I had two pastors. One of them, it was very clear I worked for him. And then the other one, it was very clear I worked with him. And that is a completely different way of being. Mm. And it makes your life really, really different as a, as a PV. And I think uh, we have to understand the pastor has an authority, um, 
but we really work together. And even today, we had a we had a difficult day today. We had some big things we were talking about at the seminary. But the rector here, Father Daniel Leonard, like he always gives me a sense of like we're doing this together. Mm. We're working together. Like you're my brother. Um, I have a I have an he has an authority as as the rector, but he just sets a spirit and a tone that I just feel very. He makes me want to just give everything to it, right? Because I feel loved and appreciated uh, by him. And it's that simple. And I just think we gotta, we gotta do a little better job of that mm. as priests. Yeah, I agree. When, <clears throat> when you want to be together, uh, you actually get more done together. You know, and, and not again, not that it's about doing and, and accomplishing things. Uh, we do have to get our stuff done, though. You know, and so if you can actually, right? What do we often say? The, uh, the with precedes the for, right? So I have to be with the brother with God before I can be for God, before I can go and do things for God. I have to be with him first. And I think it's the same with the brotherhood. We have to be with the brothers going out doing things with together so that we can do it, you know, for each other as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Maybe to go circle back to one point would just be, um, again, so we have the common life of, of vulnerability, mutual help and friendship. Uh, but sometimes uh, our friends, our, our friendships with others, especially brother priests, uh, we don't always like each other. We're hard to work with. And so uh, maybe just a brief reflection here on like, how do we work with someone when we're frustrated with them? And I don't want to be with that brother. I don't want to go and do a parish mission with that brother. I don't want to invite that brother to come hear confessions at my parish. Um, especially if like we're, we're good Orthodox priests, why would we uh, fight with that? And what our rule says uh, with regards to friendship, specifically a common life of friendship, I love this line. Um, As a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity, he sees obstacles as moments of respectare and tolere. He sees obstacles as moments of respectare and tolere. So what does that mean? Respectare and tolere. Respectare, the Latin word, the reason why these are in Latin is because we can get to kind of the deeper heart of the, the meaning here. Respectare, uh, to look again. Uh, spectare, to see. Uh, re, to look again, to see again. The constant battle of when a brother frustrates me, especially, uh, again, to your point, uh, John, Father John, of uh, when you live with your uh, pastor, uh, who you actually want to be in labor, uh, in, in the mission with, uh, you're going to rub each other at times and you're going to have to look again, where are we going? Where are we standing? How can I see the good and what he's doing? Um, instead of getting so frustrated at times. And then the tolerate, right? right? This is from the, uh, the lamb of God who takes away, who bears the tolerate. Uh, God takes away our sins. He bears our sin. He, he walks with us. Uh, we have to bear the, the wounds and the frustrations and the hardships of our brothers. Uh, we bear them, we bear them well so that we can look again and see the good of what others are doing. So I think when we have proper friendships, uh, with the brothers, we want to be with the brothers. We're doing things with the brothers. We want to be on mission together. Uh, it allows us, uh, when we look again, when we bear, uh, to be fruitful in our mission. And again, uh, the proposal that, you know, I'd like to offer today again is, is just that one line laboring in the field together, doing mission together is the antidote to the parochial solipsism that sometimes we find ourselves in. Yeah. And I, I, you know, one of the great things is, um, just being together with, with some friends and family for the companions event. 
Um, lay people get it. They get it. Especially married people. They're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to, as much as I hate this language of partner, you know, everybody, and there's no such thing as spouses anymore. Right. Everybody just has partners. Partner. It's like, what? Um, partnership in mission, this is a real thing. And, and there's just, like married people just get it. Like, yeah, you guys got to work together. You got to be in relationship. But relationships take time. I was talking to my spiritual director about this. I was just like, you know, because, you know, I'm working with the staff more intensely and there's just a lot of things to do. And sometimes I feel like there's drama just for drama's sake. And he's like, he's like, a lot of leadership is just investing in these people and uh, mm-hmm. investing in relationships. Um, I don't want to get on my, my typical diatribe about busyness i you know i just can't stand when priests come together this just drives me nuts and we do it all the time and i do it and we it's just like shop talk about who's busier oh man you wouldn't believe how busy i am oh that's crazy you're so much busier well i did 65 masses this weekend i got you know i'm raising 20 million dollars for this and it's just like stop stop are you bearing fruit yes or no and i bet it looks really different and again i i stand under my own judgment here I was up at 5 a.m. for whatever reason this morning, and I was working, uh, trying to finish this article. Um, punted the holy hour down the line, okay? So usually that's the first thing in the morning, but I was like, it's 5. I'm like, I got to get after it. Mm-hmm. I got to just like, I got to hammer this thing, which was helpful. You know, writing is good in the mornings. Uh, and then I start moving into the day, and it's like 10.30, and it's like, dude, you got to go do your holy hour. I'm like, oh, I'll do it later. Kick it down the line, kick it down the line, kick it down the line, and... And I'm like, this is the, the irony of this is just unbelievable. You were you spent the morning writing an article on activism and how functionalistic and soulless mm. and ultimately godless it is when priests are not connected to their being and they're not in relationship. And then you're not even doing that. I mean, it was just like the ultimate uh, personal conviction today of just like, man, it's five o'clock, I'm wrecked. And why? Because... I'm activistic and I'm a functionary and it does not lead to flourishing as a priest. So this is hard stuff and I, I don't want to condemn it, but I, I just, one of my goals in life is to never be, talk about being busy. Just like I make decisions, I make bad decisions, I overcommit, but mm-hmm. I will never, I don't ever want to complain about I'm too busy for blank. I'm right. too busy for the brothers. I'm too busy for this. I, I think it's I think we we hide a lot of things under that catchphrase because for some reason with our American workaholic culture we we think that's like meaningful and that's like oh there he's the real deal and it's like no yeah. this is not good. Yeah, if I'm busy then I'm doing a good job. Right. And then I hide behind the facade of that as you mentioned of well someone texts me, oh, I just won't respond I'm too busy. And then they see you in person, why don't you respond to my text? Well, I was too busy to do so. It's like hello like when did task become more important than the person in front of you, you know, or the person behind the phone? So, yeah, I, I, there was somebody who needed me to text them back. I didn't want to, because I didn't want to deal with it. Um, and I didn't have a lot of time. And then I saw him again and they were like, why didn't you text me back? And I was like, well, honestly, I had five minutes and I decided to watch the highlights of the army Navy game (laughs) instead of texting you, which was epic. Go army beat Navy. My dad's a West Point grad, as That's you know. Right. It was just incredible double overtime win. Uh, but that was, a, that was a decision that I made. And, you know, that's why I love Jordan Peterson, because he's like, take responsibility for your life, own your decisions, you're not a victim of your circumstances, period. So 
Did, should I respond? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and but we got to have the self knowledge, and and th- that's a whole nother thing. And Shani, I could talk about all this stuff all day, so I I apologize. <laughs> but self knowledge is a relational project. You you don't grow in self knowledge by yourself. You don't just sit at the end of the day and say, "Hmm, oh, I'm impatient." And it's like I was impatient at ten o'clock with this person. And when I examine in Christ, which is a relational act, he is revealing to me how that played out in the ambit of human relationships. Mm. You, I just think that sometimes we over-spiritualize things and, and we individualize them, and we think, oh, I'm just going to kind of, I'm playing my own game of golf here, and I'm just going to kind of perfect, self-perfect my way into holiness. And it's like, no, you got to throw yourself into the mess. It's like rugby, as we always talk about. And uh, realize that only that self knowledge is a relational dynamic, and without self knowledge, we're going to pick up on the cultural cues of dysfunction and activism, and we're going to hide ourselves and our woundedness and our broken lives in these things, and we're not going to live in the truth and the reality of our being. Mm. And I did that today, mm. and I don't want to do that tomorrow. Yep. So I'm happy we're talking about it. Reset, yeah. Uh, no, I think you're spot on, and I think. This is why this is why brothers are so important for priests is because we're actually right you give a really great homily everyone's going to be like father that was an amazing homily great job and then like father brady can celebrated all the sy came and father brady doesn't care about my no homily. he doesn't yeah. he's not going to say no, anything he's not gonna comment, yeah. you know like maybe one sy guy said something most of them probably hated it you know because seminarians can be critical uh, i'm critical you know we, I, we, we are all critical in different ways but to actually have people in our life to actually challenge us and be like, that probably wasn't very good. Yeah. You know? Everyone in the parish doesn't love you, you know? Like you need to be checked by that. So I don't good. I don't do a lot of preaching. Um, but in the right in the world of writing and academic world, there's very little feedback. And mm-hmm. if it's feedback, it's usually it's negative. negative. Yeah. Right. So uh, the book's coming out um, this spring my first book, which is my dissertation turned into a book. And I just got the edited, like the, the, whoever the, the kind of super type a people are who, mm-hmm. who proofread these or proof text these things. And I'm so nervous to read it cause it's going to be all the things that I, I did wrong. Um, and, uh, I don't want to face it. Mm-hmm. And so there's a kind of insecurity in, in academia also, um, where you just have no feedback. And I heard something really beautiful from our friend, Andrea Polito, she was talking about a professor of hers who is this outstanding priest. Um, Father Antonio Lopez is his name. Just an amazing man. He's the head of the uh, San Carlo priests in the United States. I got to meet him at a conference a couple weeks ago. I was just super impressed by him. She wrote him an email and said, this article that you wrote was, she just said, I just wanted to tell you how, how important it was to me and how it affected me. And he wrote it back, and he said, thank you so much for that. No one has ever commented on this article since I wrote it 10 years ago. 10 years ago? 10 years ago. Holy and I read, the, I read the piece, and it was amazing. So, But he's the kind of man who's just so deeply located in Christ and in his brothers because they live a mm-hmm. very intense community that he's obviously not looking for his own self-affirmation in the affirmation of others in his academic writing. Mm. And I was like, that's, that's what a mature common life will do is it just says, I know that I'm loved by the brothers. Father Brady is never going to compliment your homily, um, but I know that he's with me, and I know that he loves me, so I don't have to live from that. And there's something about the parish dynamic where 
we just it's it's not a it's not a real relationship in some ways right people are going to tell you what you they want to hear or they're going to compliment you when they hear things they want to hear like mm-hmm. that's just part of it there's a i don't know how to describe it not to take that too extreme of course there's real relationships but you know what i mean mm-hmm. totally they, right. they don't live with us and realize what we're like day to day you know that's true but your brothers do but your brothers do yeah and we need each other and as you know from five years and i i certainly do from 15 it's not easier Mm. the common life is not easier um just like marriage and family it's not an easier life but it absolutely is a better life absolutely and it's just the way we're supposed to live this is how human beings are to live and so it's a it's a great thing to reflect on in light of the anniversary um just to say yeah we're still doing it still got it and hopefully we're bearing some fruit amen yep yeah so i think two takeaways one would be um laboring in the field together as priests doing mission together as priests is the antidote to parochial solipsism and then maybe a takeaway for lay people i would just encourage you the faith can't be lived on its own find people around you you know don't be solipsistic there's more to life than just your your inner family. You know, live the faith together so that you can evangelize. Beautiful. Thanks, I, you know, I think you got an article in that uh, the antidote to parochial solipsism. That could be part two to the uh, to what I wrote. So keep keep riffing on that. Maybe I will. I've never written an article. All right, writing is tough. I don't have three letters after my name. So. That is true. <laughs> I yeah. You don't want the three I have, right? STD. It's not, you know, people know that. I should qualify that severely. Um, Sacred theology doctorate in the Latin (laughs) is, they put it as STD, and that's the initials behind my name, which is highly unfortunate and the source of many a joke in the uh, association that we are. I do have an STB. You do have an STB. That sounds a little better. Uh, France or Argentina? Not Morocco? <laughs> they lost today. Oh, they did? Okay. Yeah. I haven't been watching it. I was texting people back, Sean, and not watching. No. Um, I'm going Argentina. That's right. Everybody loves Messi. Pope right? Francis. Pope Francis. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. France, they didn't even look that good against England. Come on. You know, I'm sure Jonathan Francois was happy, but I was like, these guys are a bunch of punks. That's so. right. right. How well, about you? See. You going Argentina? I think I'm going to Argentina. I was rooting for Croatia, but Argentina beat them three zip, so... I think right. I'm going to stick with Argentina, root for Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank. Pope there Francis. we go. <laughs> Are we doing shout-outs? Do we have time? Yeah, go ahead. Shout-outs. I'm going to do two here. I, back, speaking of West Point and Go Army, beat Navy, I met. Uh, I was at the, the Catholic Chapel at West Point with my dad and brother a couple months ago, and a woman came up afterwards, and her name was Liz, and she's the school nurse at the elementary school at West Point, and she's a podcast listener, so shout-out to Liz. Shout-out to Liz. And then speaking of the military, um, we got another great email this week. If you don't mind, I'll just kind of read this. This is fun. Please. Greetings from the deep blue. <laughs> My wife and I are longtime listeners. I've, I'm currently on month six or so of deployment and wanted to drop a note to say I download all your latest episodes and listen to them. Well, I ride the stationary bike during free time underway. Maybe he wants to come and train you. Yeah, uh, I could to, use uh, some military training if I'm honest. Yep, he says it may seem small, but my wife at home hears the same ones, and it's just another way we connect while being apart. Not to mention that familiar voices are always welcome to hear out here. I appreciate you. He's a Catholic uh, lay leader. Uh, since there's no priest aboard, this is on a ship in one of the oceans. Uh, and uh, last time he had a chance to go to mass was in July. That's wild. 
and uh, just a beautiful, um, their patron, Our Lady Star of the Sea, is the patron of their community. Uh, and he says, uh, if shout-outs make it up through emails, I'd like to take the opportunity to request a shout-out to my beautiful and loving wife, Kylie, who is currently watching our three little girls, Charlotte, ooh, uh, Raiden, I think, sorry, and Margaret, all under five. Look at that, jeez, mo. Um, and uh, he just is really grateful for the podcast. Sincerely, LCDR, Kyle, quote, Dimples, Stewart, right? Sorry that your uh, nickname made it on there, but you do sign your emails with that, so... Uh, Kyle, I'm sorry that uh, Navy got beat, but we thank you for your service and uh, for your beautiful email, and we're grateful for you and your wife. Uh, so, Kyle and Kylie, thanks again for listening. Absolutely. Thanks for your service. I was looking that up today. I was like, how do you pronounce? I think it is Raiden. Raiden. Because um, it's Norwegian, actually, oh. is what I what I found. Uh, shout out to Gabriel Seiden, the Seiden family. Uh, he makes some sweet holsters for guns, ivory holsters, but... Uh, just good friend. Uh, he was texting me the other day about uh, the podcast, and um, Kate had sent me a screenshot of some of the uh, comments on our Instagram. I'm not on Instagram, but he just wrote, "Father Sean is awesome." That is all. That is all. <laughs> I was like, I was like, thanks, Gabe. That's that is, awesome. You're awesome. So you are awesome, but don't let it get to your head. All right, <laughs> that's why you have brothers in your life. That's right. Great. Well, Shani, gearing up for the Christmas season. This is year two for you already, so you're already a, you're an old pro at this. You know what it's like, but it's 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 go time for you. Thank God that Christmas is on Sunday, though. That is helpful. Yeah, very helpful. So great. Well, thanks for listening. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Tweet us, text us, email us, Venmo us, whatever you want to do. We're here. Go Army. Go Navy. Army.